Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. But somehow some like lightning bolt blasted me in the back of the head and made me realize that the reason we don't get to travel as much as I want and we don't have money and we don't all these things was all this crap that we had in this house. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire. You know, if you hear some creaking in the background, that's just the old wooden chair I'm sitting on here in my mother-in-law's kitchen up here in rural Norway. I hope you are enjoying your summer wherever you're at. We're doing some exploring around the area, a lot of beautiful nature in this area, and it's uh, always a special place to come to, not just for family and for traditions that we've created over the years, but just to get away from the city life. I mean, Oslo's not this huge bustling metropolis like New York City or something, but you know, when you're away from home, you're kind of away from other things too. There's a sense of lightness, right? You don't maybe have the feeling of the daily responsibilities. You get out of the daily routine. You're sleeping in a new place. All that stuff we love about travel, I mean, that's part of it too, right? It's just getting away and being away from home. It's a beautiful thing. Why do we love that so much as travelers? Why do we love just being away from home? It's nice to come back to home, but it's also great to be away. So I I am um, really excited to be up here, and we were just exploring uh, another area that I love, uh, which is Elgo. It's a small remote town (laughs) near a beautiful big lake with mountains surrounding it, uh, gorgeous little weather-beaten huts with rusted tin roofs and grass roofs and just super charming. It's actually the area where my wife and I got married and it's about an hour from where I am right now. Um, and it's just special to go back up there. So we went up there with the family yesterday, had a meal and just hung around, threw some rocks into the lake, skipped some stones, played with some sticks, you know, <laughs> good old-fashioned non-digital things and anytime I get on the move it gets my creative juices going 
in a different way. That's one of the things we talk about in today's interview. Creativity interwoven with travel. You know, we're all creative beings, but sometimes in points in our lives, we can lose sight of that or we can forget that. Maybe we have doubts and fears or we think, well, you know, I'm not good enough to do X, Y, and Z. I'm not creative enough for that. And that's one of the many important topics we touch on in this interview is giving yourself permission to do something and what it means to identify as, say, an artist or identify as uh, somebody who makes music or identify as an entrepreneur. What does that mean when you give yourself that permission? That is a, a very important and empowering thing to do. And we talk about that during this conversation with my friends Jillian and Chris. Jillian uh, talks about her experience embracing her identity as an artist after it had been put to the side for so long. And I think the lessons she shares are super helpful. We talk about simple gestures, how they can mean so much, uh, breaking out of the debt cycle through minimalism and... On the other side of this interview, I want to touch on something else we discussed, which is the advantages of figuring out everything before you go on a trip versus figuring out things as you go along. They say something that really um, kind of sums it all up well. You'll hear that in this interview, and I want to talk about that a little bit uh, on the other side of the interview segment. And the other thing we talk about is Jillian and Chris being travel Swiss Army knives. That's what I call it. When people are utilizing multiple different ways to travel, what the key is to the travel Swiss Army knife, how you can make it work in your favor. So loads of stuff. Let's get into the interview portion of the show and be sure to stick around on the back end. I'm going to give a shout out to a couple of you fine, lovely souls in this listening community and have a little chat on the other side, plus a quote. I'll leave you with a nice quote. All right, let's get into it, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey, good, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for taking the time. No problem. <laughs> Thanks for wanting to take the time. <laughs> Whereabouts are you? Uh, we're in Cochrane, Alberta right now in Canada. Okay, nice. But, uh, we leave here today. We're going to Canmore, back into the mountains uh, for two nights, and then we fly to Morocco on Wednesday. So, What's going on in Morocco? Well, we have a friend who spent some time there and has a bunch of friends there and he was going and he suggested that we go with him and we thought, sure, why not? So that's about it. <laughs> have you been before? No. no. What is the thing you're planning, like the big thing you're planning in Morocco? Uh, we tend to not plan to do anything. We just go slow. <laughs> so yeah, he, I mean, he's, his friends are Berbers up in the, the Berber area. Um, and he wants to spend some time out in the desert. And so we're kind of, uh, we're kind of leaving the ball in his court just to sort of 
figure out what we're doing. He knows what he's doing. So nice. I'm just <laughs> imagining like Jim Morrison style, you guys like roaming to the desert, just on <laughs> Some LSD. Oh, yeah, yes. sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually recording because I never like to miss uh, any anything in case Uh-oh. some good stuff goes <laughs> down okay. before uh, <laughs> before we chat. But I'm I'm really excited to see you guys and to chat with you. And um, on the line with Jill and Chris from artisticvoyages.com in 2017, they packed up their life, quit their nine to fives, and headed out into the world with no expectations, according to your website. I do want to talk about that and uh, a bunch of other stuff. But anyway, Jill and Chris, I've known you guys for a while, but we haven't really had the pleasure of speaking in depth in this way on like a Skype call. So anyway, I want to welcome you to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friends. Thank you. <laughs> I wanted to talk about something that stood on your website. And I know this is this is a pretty new venture for you guys, right? Artistic Voyages? Mm-hmm. Semi, yes. That kind of took a while to evolve. So we'll we'll dig into that a bit because I know, I mean, Joe, we've been chatting for some years now and you've had the Etsy shop and different things. And I think one of the things that I want to get clear through this podcast is for people to really understand how much of a journey a lot of this stuff really is, right? It's not like there's this perception, I think, when you look online that things, uh, you know, just come together for people like magically really quick. Yeah. And it takes time. But but along the way, there's so much opportunity for growth and travel and all that stuff. So anyway, um, but one of the things that stood out on your website, your new website, is you have it sort of highlighted. It's exploring the world while cultivating our creative souls. I'm not going to call that a tagline because to me that reads more like an intention for the way you live your life right now. Is that what that is? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for sure. One thing along the way that we've, we've figured out is our creativity is, is what drives us. And, uh, that, you know, we've both always sort of been creative. I didn't really discover my creative uh, side as far as something that I wanted to do with my life until I was 30, um, Chris has been his art, an artist his entire life um, from a kid. So, yes. so that's always been important to him. But in our old lives, we didn't necessarily have the time to really cultivate that side of ourselves. Although we, we, we did as much art as we possibly could, but of course didn't have really the time to do it properly. Mm-hmm. So it's been something that has come out of this is that's what we both want to do and that's what's important to us. And so that's what we're, we're trying to focus on mostly is, is, you know, selling artwork or promoting ourselves as artists or painting murals as we travel or, you know, anything we can do to be creative, basically. Yeah. Chris, talk about I mean, growing up and what art meant to you. I mean, like Jill just said that that was something that was always been a part of your life. But uh, talk about that. Yeah. Um, God, like, I swear I was drawing on the walls when I was like four years old. <laughs> but then eventually my mom was like, well, here, you take a book and like do- doodle in that instead on the wall. I just kind of went with that. And I, like, I, I pretty much like stuck with like mostly cartoons until I don't know, maybe like I was like 15 or something like that. Then uh, I think like my aunt or another relative had bought me like an eight, like an 18 pencil set, like all different, uh, different grades of how the graphite is and stuff. And I think, uh, yeah, then I read a book on how to draw portraits and I think I took one art class on, how light and shadow work. And that was pretty much everything else is pretty much self-taught after that. Because a lot of times I think people 
that are in the arts because of the way society is sometimes it can get beat out of them in some way right like not physically or oh, maybe yeah. in some cases i don't know well, but. Yeah, actually that that is common because like uh, even like well when i was working in a tattoo shop in uh in regina i uh i got out of it i stopped working in a tattoo shop mostly because of it wasn't not like an unsafe work environment it was just uh with all the other shops talking trash about each other it was just like basically office politics that you really don't want to have to go through. And like, because of that, I got really jaded and I stayed away from working actually in a shop for quite a few years. And then, then eventually I opened up my own shop afterwards, but only to close it down so we could leave the country. Also. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, talk about support, like his aunt bought him his first tattoo machine. You know, I mean, he, he was supported as an artist from the get go, yeah. which is great. It's just crazy how much you don't know when you're a kid. Right. So if somebody does, something buying a tattoo uh, machine would be like a big thing. But even if somebody gets you a pencil set or something, it's, it's such a simple gesture, right? But they are inherently telling you they support what you're doing. And that means so yeah, much exactly. as a kid, Jill, you kind of said that you didn't really identify as an artist till you were 30. Is that what you just said a few moments? Well, ago? it took quite a few years after that to even identify it as an artist. And I, there's still moments in my mind where I'm not a real artist. The other artists are the real artists, you know, I'm sort of like figuring it out as I go. But um, no, I, I, as a kid, I was very creative. Um, Mom said that I always had, you know, coloring book or if, if they gave me a coloring book, I'd shut up for hours is the way she puts it. Um, and I love to draw and I was always doing that stuff. I didn't fit into art class. And I think this is where I sort of got off of it was, uh, you know, you're, you're in school, you're, there's a curriculum, of course, right? And, and each class, they're teaching you a certain thing. And, you know, the teacher would jump on the table and be like, draw me. And it was, I mean, that's not the kind of art I do. And I couldn't draw people. I mean, I just had it in my head that I can't do that. And I can't do this. And I'm not an artist and quit trying to force me to be an artist and sort of this like bitter little 12 year old attitude. But um, there was one, one class in particular where she said, okay, today, you guys get to do whatever you want. And uh, so we, she put out a box of materials and, you know, paints and pens and papers and all this kind of stuff. And I sort of put together this like crazy um, mosaic type art piece. And it got sent to the Canadian National Exhibition, unbeknownst to me, and actually got accepted for display. So we went, it's kind of a hilarious story that goes with that. But my family, my parents took me to Toronto to find it. And I didn't even know what was sent. I, and I couldn't fathom that something that I made would be actually on display for other people to look at. Like, I'm not an artist. Who, you know, who, who chose this thing, right? So we go to Toronto, we walk around and walk around and we finally found it. And I go, that's it. And my dad goes, that's it. What is it? And I was like, I don't know. And uh, that was pretty much the end of it. Because I think at that point, I was like, I can't explain what this is. And I don't know why these people chose this, but this is embarrassing and sort of had this whole, you know, that was the end how, of it. How old me. were you at the time? 12. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> after that, though, there was one time in art class, we did a tour of a pottery studio. And as a kid, I would ask my mom constantly, like, where is there pottery classes? I want to do pottery classes because something in my mind was triggered. And uh, there never was, according to her, there was never any classes for kids. And I don't think she really gave it much, much attention or thought much about it. And today she doesn't even remember me asking for that. So, um, but at the age of 30, I moved to a new town and I walked into the rec center and on the wall, there was this poster saying adult pottery classes. And I was like, 
oh my God, I'm an adult. I can take a pottery class now. <laughs> and uh, I basically had to beg the lady to let me in because she said it was full. And I told her my whole story and wasn't about to let her tell me no. So uh, she finally let me in and she became my artistic mentor. And literally, as I sat at that table and held that clay in my hands, my entire side of my brain was bursting out of my head. And I was my future was completely rewritten in that moment, for sure. Wow. There yeah. is, a, I think, a power in staking your claim as something, right? I mean, you say, well, this is just words or this is an identity or whatever. And I mean, as you travel longer and longer, I think a lot of times like that can strip away what identity means, right? But that's another conversation, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but saying, saying that you are an artist and actually embracing that, I'm just thinking, I'm sure there's some people listening right now that are, you know, have questions. And I, I have in my own life, sounds like you have moments too of like, hey, what, can I accept myself as this thing? Am I good enough to accept myself as X artist, whatever, painter, podcaster, fill in the blank, whatever it is that you want to say. And once you do and just say, like the, the most recent thing for me is a songwriter. Like it doesn't mean I do it professionally. It doesn't mean that it's all I do. It's just like a thing I've accepted recently that took me a long time to accept because... I'm shy about it. I don't want to share it. It it does it mean that it changes me in some way or am I saying I'm I'm good? No, I'm not saying any of that, right? Right. But yeah. for yourself, when you accept it, it does something. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. There's Definitely. a power in it. Yeah, we had an interesting experience in Guatemala. I think this sort of solidified it for me was um we were painting, we got hired to paint a mural in the restaurant, which we can talk more about later. But um, the one of the owners was out of town when his, his ex-girlfriend or partner had hired us. And we had heard there was a mural downstairs in the coffee shop. And this we girl, thought it was we, beautiful. Yeah, we met the girl who painted it. And I mean, she sells like $40,000 sculptures online. And I mean, she's been to art school and this whole thing, right? And we had heard that he didn't like her mural. And we're and this was after we kind of had started upstairs and we're just like, oh God, like if he doesn't like hers, you know, what's he gonna think about yeah. ours? Like we don't even know what we're doing. This is crazy. So we, I mean, we kept going, whatever. And uh, we, you know, the days ticked down when he was due to come back and we knew he was coming back. And uh, the day that we arrived, the one day we arrived to work, he was standing in the hallway and and we said, oh, is, is you know, is Sylvana here, his ex-girlfriend we were going to talk to? And he goes, are you guys the ones painting those amazing murals upstairs? It's so nice to have some real artists around here for once. And we were just like, okay, I guess we're real artists. <laughs> Both of us just sort of like floored us because, yeah. yeah, as far as painting, like actual painting, I mean, Chris has mostly drawn his whole life and yeah. done tattooing. Um, he's done a little bit of airbrushing. Yeah. I've I've done, I mean, I did pottery and, and lots of drawings, um, yeah. stained glass. I mean, after I discovered my artistic side, I kind of went bonkers. Yeah, but like the painting, painting was never. House painting was like the closest yeah. thing we got to actual painting before yeah. that, you know? So it was, we were really winging it and learning as we went, but he, he liked it. So that was good. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need the external validation, but it sure helps, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 quietness is the voices in our own heads. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Kind of mm -hmm. like put the kibosh on that uh, imposter syndrome, I guess I would exactly. say. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. For sure. I'm going to yeah. ask this question to both of you. And Chris, I'll, I'll start with you. Where does creativity come from? Oh, God. <laughs> Man, like I have to look deep inside myself and decide where it comes from because I have all sorts of – I have very different styles to what I create a lot of the time. Like 
I will go from creating the most insane, crazy ass monster to doing the most cutest, adorable little creature. Like it's, it just depends on my mood pretty much. It's just what kind of, how things come out basically. Yeah. That's all I really he, have to say. He has two personalities. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> how about you, Jill? What do you think? Oh boy. I don't know. I mean, all of my stuff is just so abstract, you know, the patterns I draw and, and the stuff, like I, I rarely start out with an idea of what I'm doing. I just sort of put my pen to paper and just sort of start doodling and drawing lines. And one thing leads to another. And, you know, Chris looks at what I do and, and he can't fathom how I can possibly do that. So, yeah. um, and you know, he draws like a perfect face and I could never do that. So, you know, it's really also made me realize that, that we all have some sort of expression in us and art is just an expression of that. And it's all different and we can't compare to each other. And, you know, something that I drew, some weird little doodle that I think is insignificant to somebody else's, they just can't fathom how I could ever come up with that. So I, I really don't know where it comes from. It just, uh, I do know that I need to do it. Um, I've realized in the last year specifically, we were in a position where, we had left all of our art supplies behind in Guatemala and ended up uh, working at a botanical garden in the Caribbean for six months and we didn't have our art stuff. And I started to get squirrely and realized <laughs> like if I don't start painting something or doing something, I'm going to go bonkers. So we ended up painting a mural in the house that we were living at without even asking the owner, but she was happy with it, thankfully. But yeah. I, I was like, I'm just painting this and you know, I'll paint the wall again if she wants, if she hates it, I'll paint it over. I don't care. I just need to do this. So. Yeah. 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 And I mean, if you have something that you feel that way about and you're traveling, like some of those things, it can be a challenge for some people, right? Like if you feel that way about the stand up base, <laughs> for example, it might be a little more challenging to travel around the world with that. All you can, although you can do it, right. but yeah. I mean, it sounds like with what you guys are offering in terms of like painting murals and your art and things like that. It's stuff that you can travel with so you can have your travel life, but you also have combined it with your passion for creativity, for cultivating creativity within yourself. That's just another great thing about, I think what you guys have done is not only have you just taken off to travel the world, but it's much more than that, right? It's not just the travel and the seeing things, but you're also, you've also got this whole other part of who you guys are that right. you get which to, has evolved yeah right. you know well, it, it wasn't our intention setting out really well it, let's let's talk about that because <laughs> you know like it did say on your website you didn't have any expectations when you started you just wanted to experience life so which i think is uh, actually a, another great intention you guys are good at putting mm. together intentions experience life it's like okay well you can't really screw that one up right yeah, it's exactly. like, here we are life let's do this yeah. Yeah. yeah i guess talk to me a little bit about where you guys were in 2017 uh, you know not on your first week of your trip but like sort of the whole lead up to the decision and all that stuff because I, I i always like to dig into this you guys know i'm sure if you yeah. podcast, <laughs> but i just think it's so important to talk about because it is so it can be so rough when you're in it it's much different to look at in hindsight right so if you guys can just take yourselves back a little bit and explain a little more about where you were and why you made this decision like why did you make this decision to take off and sell everything and travel well, in 2016 we house sat for uh jill's parents and we saw how much 
crap they had in their house. <laughs> that was a part of it. That was the beginner. The, right the there. stuff thought, yeah. yeah. What do you mean? It, it got you thinking about, oh, we don't want to get this much stuff? or Well, no. I mean, it did sort of, um, it did startle me. I'm I'm an only child. I mean, there was a few factors involved here. So I, I hadn't lived in my hometown or for 20 some years. And, you know, I'd been back and forth to visit my parents, but I never really took a good look at at the situation or what their house was like or anything. They're going to hate me for this podcast. But anyway, <laughs> they, um, when Sorry. we stayed, when I stayed there, I realized like, wow, there's a lot of stuff in this house. I mean, every cupboard's full, you know, I mean, on the surface it's beautiful. They have, they travel all over the world too. So, I mean, that's a whole other part of why I travel, but they have stuff from everywhere, but every single cupboard was absolutely full. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I mean, we need to get a handle on this. You know, I, I need to help them with this and all this. And so that sort of started my brain thinking about stuff and thinking like, I don't want to end up like this, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And we also, at that point, uh, we're in a bit of a financial crisis, I would say. Um, We were in our slow season. I mean, our businesses were, Chris was a landscaper. I'm a house painter. Um, You can landscape on the West coast of Canada year round, but work is, work is more limited. Yeah. And of course, painting is busier in the summer when I'm doing big house projects. So um, we're facing sort of like a few months of little bits and pieces of work and how the heck are we going to pay these bills? And how did this happen again? I mean, I've gone through that cycle, I don't know how many times. And it was one of those, how have I done this again? You know, like, so I, I've sold stuff before and got by the cycle. Debt, you mean you, you save money and then somehow it gets spent and then you're right. down to the end. Okay. Yeah. And then yeah. you're da- back in the cycle and then it's, yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, now we have bills and I have a mortgage to pay and there's all these things. And it, it just seems like I, I was pressing repeat somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got back to the coast from that trip and I had seen the minimalism docu- documentary had just come out and I thought that sounds interesting. I want to watch that. So I went into my my art office one night and started watching it. And as I'm like, I was like making art and listening to it at the same time. Just, I don't know what the sentence was. I don't know what clicked, but somehow some like lightning bolt blasted me in the back of the head and made me realize that the reason we don't get to travel as much as I want and we don't have money and we don't, all these things was all this crap that we had in this house. And I started looking around the room and I'm going, there's a lot of stuff in this room alone that I don't even need. Like, what is this stuff? You know, I all of a sudden just like it clicked something in my brain and made me realize that, yeah, I had to get rid of some things. And, and in that moment thought if we got rid of everything, if I didn't have the house and I didn't have bills and I didn't have insurance payments, like, Oh my God, could we just, you know, could we just make a little bit of money and travel around? Is that possible? You know, it just sort of like hit me. So then I had to, tell him my idea, (laughs) (laughs) which I I kind of had like decided at that point, like Mm. I made this decision and I was like, that's always a scary thing. What I need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's an internal thing, right? Like you can, you could have been at the point where you're like, all right, well, let me talk to him about it. And like, we'll kind of feel it out and see how, or you could just be like, Oh, I'm done. This is it. Now I have to go. That's it. That's going into the conversation in a different way. Right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. And I sort of uh, tiptoed out to the living room <laughs> and was like, can I talk to you for a second? I mean, of course, tensions weren't the best because of our situation. You know, well, wait, hold on. I'm going to cut you off because I want to hear Chris's first reaction. Oh, okay. well, <laughs> God. You know, I was uh, basically like when like when I when I first got together with Jill, I had brought all of my plants over and like I'd been, I'd been dragging these plants around for like seven years in, in pots. pots. 
and like hadn't ever like actually sunk them in the ground. But then I move in with Jill and like one of the first things I do is I start sinking my plants into the ground and we start making gardens and whatever. And so anyways, uh, then comes a moment where Jill's like, so we need to talk. I'm like, okay, what am I going to go through now? <laughs> no, yeah, no one. Okay, right. and, then said, and then she's basically, like, she explained it to me, like, we can, we can leave. We can, we can go and do other things. But uh, the first thing out of our mouth was, but what are all our plants? And then Jill's like, well, we can go where everything else grows. So you don't really have to worry about that. But then I was like, but what about my tattoo shop? And Jill's like, well, the world is your tattoo shop now. I'm like, yeah, you're actually right. There's no way we can't do this now. Like, we got to go. Yeah. I had a, I had an argument for everything. I was like, no, no, not good enough. I like yeah. uh, maybe that the title of this podcast will be, what about my plants? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. So the world's your tattoo shop now. So, all right. Yeah. So you guys had this dialogue and you were, I mean, Chris, you were pretty, were you convinced that quickly? Seriously? Like, you were it quick. took ten minutes, maybe really? ten minutes of cops. Like, I mean, had you traveled a lot before, like this? No, or? not really. Like, I've when my first trip out of the country, well, other than to the United States, was to Mexico with Jill, and then my second trip out of the country was again with Jill, and we went to Europe for like forty days or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I hadn't done much. I'd always wanted to go see places like I've always wanted to go to Bali and Morocco, which we're actually going to now. So, mm-hmm. hooray, you know, like there, there, there are things that were always on my list of wanting to see, but it was always just like, I was always stuck in Canada. Of course I was partying a lot back in the day. So I didn't really save money to go try to travel in the first place, but you know, eventually you work it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's, he's an awesome traveler. Was the 40 days in Europe, the thing that, did, it sounds like if you only took 10 minutes to be convinced after you've been hauling these plants around for seven years, <laughs> I mean, it sounds like there must have been something inside of you there that had thought about this a little more than just on a whim, or am I wrong? I'm not sure, actually. Like, like I guess the desire was definitely there, that I really wanted to go see places and stuff, but I guess, like, yeah, I, I, I'd always basically I'd always lived as a nomad. Like I'd like, I would always spend like maybe six months living in one place, then move across the other side of the city and then, then spend another six months in that place and so on and so forth. But like when I actually moved in with Jill and actually st- sunk my plans in the ground, I was like, okay, my roots are forming now. Hooray. I, I'm, I'm actually, I actually have a home base now. Yeah. And then, I, I was like, when he did that, I was like, okay, I guess you're not going anywhere for a while. <laughs> it's, a, it's like his equivalent of leaving his toothbrush in the bathroom, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I moved my cat and my plants over. Is okay, how that yeah, happened. done deal. <laughs> done deal. Cat plants, oh yeah, we're good. Yeah. So when you guys started getting rid of stuff, was that a stressful thing or was that a liberating, fun oh, process? It was liberating. It was oh, liberating, man. yeah. There was, there was moments where Jill was like, are we making a mistake? Are we, yeah. should, we do, should we be not, should we, we should probably not be doing this and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, there's uh, no way yeah. we can't do this. We I'd have, have to do this I'd have this like now. the odd little meltdown where it'd be like, oh my God, well, what if we get some, what if we get to where we're going and I start crying because we have nothing left and we hate it. And <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like, and Chris would just like, no, sweetie, this is fine. Calm me down. Talk me down. <laughs> nice. I mean, that's helpful yeah. when you have two because that's, I think it's totally mm-hmm. natural to have those second thoughts and mm-hmm. wonder if you're doing the right thing because yeah. you are 
giving something up for the unknown, essentially, right. even though mm-hmm. you are pretty sure the unknown is going to be awesome, but mm-hmm. right. you don't know because it's unknown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you guys spent time getting rid of everything. Getting rid of the house is a huge thing. Were you, did you have some kind of target amount of money you were trying to save? Did you have to pay off? Like what was the money situation? I mean, if you don't want to get into that's fine, but I think it's helpful for people to understand. I mean, everybody has their own personal situations. I know you guys don't have any kids, right? But what was that a thing? Or were you guys just like, Hey, we'll sell everything. We're going to just see where we're at. And we're going to make it work with what we have. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of, I didn't really have a clue um, you know, how much money we were going to make on everything. I had an idea of what I wanted to try to sell the house for. I mean, our whole selling the house was an, the ultimate manifestation um, for getting what we wanted for it. Plus, we manifested the perfect buyers, exactly who we wanted to buy the house. Um, but I, yeah, it was kind of like, let's just sell everything and see where we get to and we'll just figure it out from there. Yeah, and that's pretty much what we did. <laughs> and yeah, we're still we still haven't quite got that so that part figured out. It's, but it's definitely more on the right track now, though, yeah. with the website and everything. Yeah, else, we so. have we have direction, but it's taken us like it really has taken us two years to really solidify what is important to us, where we want to go, what we mm-hmm. want to do, and and we we almost forcefully kept those two years of not trying to put too much pressure on ourselves. I mean, it wasn't what we had planned to do on setting out. I mean, setting out, like I said, we had no expectations. We didn't know what we were doing, but um, we, in retrospect now, it's, it took us two years to really just sort of define what we want to do and how we want to live our life and what's important to us and that kind of thing. So. Yeah. And you're figuring this out while you're traveling around and living as nomads, essentially. Yeah. yeah. What did and you guys start with money wise? Like, did you have enough to last for a while or? Yeah, we had $9,000. Um, and we were going to house sit for two months in Costa Rica. So <laughs> we knew, we knew we had enough money to do that for sure. Um, and then like after our first house sitting gig, which uh, I'll say we were told that you never get hired for house sits. Like, don't even try. It's not, you're not worth it. You're not going to get a job. You know, I mean, people had all these naysaying things to say about it. And, mm-hmm. and literally like a month after I put up our house sitting profile, which was in February, well, I guess it was April. Yeah. I got a message from a lady saying, can you start house sitting? Well, first of all, she wanted us in September, which was impossible because we were both finishing our jobs and everything. But she said, well, I can get somebody in September if you can start in November. And it was like, Sure. I mean, she messaged us, right? I was thinking like it might take us a year to get a housing job. Who knows? Which and, uh, uh, which prof- or which uh, website were you using? Uh, that was Housecares. Okay. Housecares. Yeah. Com. Yeah. Yep. So so yeah. So we knew we were doing that. We had nine thousand um, dollars from that job. We actually got hired two doors down after a couple months to manage a cabina rental, which we made money. We got half of whatever money we brought in from that. So so we got a little bit of money. We were there for two and a half months, and then we just sort of set out. I mean, we had some house sitting jobs lined up in Nicaragua and Guatemala, but um, from there, yeah, we just went and we had lots of credit cards. <laughs> like, let's just see what happens here. Yeah. So, wow. So. I mean, it sounds like in the beginning, yeah, I mean, it's a good plan to know you're not paying for accommodations for two mm-hmm. months and, mm-hmm. you know, you get that first thing under your belt and, and the, the you're, you're off and running, right? Like you had no way to predict that you were going to get the next thing because the next door neighbor or the 
neighbor two doors yeah, down or whatever. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's great that you didn't listen to the naysayers, right? <laughs> yeah, house sitting, you guys are pretty big fans. It seems like that's something you've yeah. been doing a lot. You we've guys... actually been house sitting in Canada too. Like we most most of our time here since we got back to Canada has just been house sitting too. Yeah, and that wasn't planned in advance. We you know we came back thinking we we're mostly going to be staying with my parents and uh, a week a week in I think a week on the ground somebody said they were going away in October for five weeks and then another friend I grew up was taking her kids to Thailand for six weeks and you know it's just like one thing led to another so yeah worked out great does living in other people's houses uh, does that take getting used to in terms of like it not being your own or are you you just used to it now or was there a more more figuring out where all the utensils and things are you get you kind of figure yeah like once we pulled out some of the pots and pans from the cupboards we're like how the hell did these go back in there like there's (laughs) There's things like that, but like, that's really kind of, it's about that. And I think it's just another extension of being travel, a traveler, you know, we're, Mm -hmm. we're open-minded, we're flexible, we're adaptable, you know, we'll make any situation work. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's just sort of another extension of that. I guess one thing you kind of have to get used to is like, you may not always end up with a good bed. Like (laughs) that's about it. Like there's (laughs) like, well, the majority of the time that we've been out here, like we haven't really had a bad yet so yeah like, no, everything's pretty good yeah that's not even that big of a deal <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're that's more a problem when we stay in like a five dollar a night hostel <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah i think it's cool that you you guys chose to like you said you didn't have you didn't exactly have a plan figured out where you were going to go with how you were going to earn money on the road right i mean I, I guess that's what you're talking about when you say we weren't exactly sure and this kind of evolved over time because you had planned on like working and earning money like this was your new life you guys weren't just saving up money to travel for a year and have travel experiences you were taking your life on the road and you were going to build some kind of life on the road so what do you think the advantages are for somebody who might be listening and they're thinking well you know i should figure out all my stuff now and then when i go i have everything figured out and then i'll just go versus you know hitting the road doing it your style and figuring it out as it goes. Like what, what things do you think you figured out on the road that you wouldn't have been able to figure out or you weren't able to figure out at home? Hmm. Um, well, like I'll, the first thing I'll say is you'll never figure everything out beforehand or during or anytime, you know what totally. I mean? Plan all you want, but uh, stuff comes your way. And I mean, we've tried to keep, purposefully tried to keep our schedule as open as possible in the initial phase we were sort of hunting down house sitting jobs so we did have a bit of a schedule of like where we needed to be at certain times but um we've also now realized that the most amazing opportunities plop on your lap when you don't have a plan and you don't have a schedule so so i've kind of strayed from your question but yeah i mean to say to people you know, you got to plan for this, this, and this, it's, it's, it's really impossible because you just don't know what's around the corner. Um, yeah. And we, we just try to be as open as we can. I think one of the hurdles there can be the stress of money, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of course. There is that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, For sure. And, and it's still a stress. I mean, it's still, it's still something we deal with. And, and, you know, I, I think friends and family expected us to come back to Canada and, and, you know, we did a couple painting jobs. We did a few little things just to get, you know, a few dollars going. We do make a little bit of money online, which is, which helps. But, um, 
yeah, it, it kind of got to the point where, you know, my mom's like racing around camera trying to find jobs for us. And, oh, you should call this person and get call this person. And she's like giving my number out. And I'm just going, I actually don't really want to do that. I want to work on what I'm working on. And, and we're not here to make money. We're here to help you. The reason we came back was to help them downsize their house because they do want to sell it. So I, you know, the reason we came here is to help you. And we have our own projects and, and we don't have the, our finances figured out yet, but we're going to Morocco because I'm not going to sit in Canada to try to pay my debt off when it, you know, the cost of living is exorbitant or whatever, or crazy amounts. So we're just going to go there and we're going to figure it out when we get there. So, yeah. yeah. And obviously that's a huge advantage is relocating to a place where the cost of living is a lot less. Exactly. You yeah. your debt more quickly. Mm -hmm. So have you been traveling with debt? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's another question a lot of people ask, like, should I travel with debt? Shouldn't I? But yeah. you're, you've got it under yeah. control. Well, yeah. I mean, the bottom line is as long as you can make your minimum payments, uh, you know, keep everybody happy um, and try to pay it down as much as you can when you can. Um, yeah, we just sort of keep plunking money on it and we we'll keep working as hard as we can at the things that we're working at and manifesting you know, a future where everything's going to be paid off and, and we're seeing the world. I mean, the most important part to me is seeing the world and sharing those experiences with people. And, mm -hmm. and in the end, that's, that's what counts. So and I guess actually seeing different parts of the world also do give us a bit of inspiration too. like, like one of the comics I'm working on, it, like they're, it's it goes all over the world so like if i if i can actually see different landscapes and actually figure out how things look then it's going to make my comic that much more realistic you know yeah yeah a couple of his projects have have evolved because of traveling specifically he's working mm -hmm. on one comic and then we also have a idea for a kids book um that that is like a little girl who travels around the world and stuff like that so um yeah so those things have evolved since we've been on the road as well yeah yeah all of your experiences in life will creep into your your art or your your creative output mm -hmm. right so yeah of course travel is a uh, is going to make a, i would imagine make a big impact on that as well because mm -hmm. now you're getting yeah i mean well, well what are have been some of the highlights for you guys let's talk about some of the experiences you've had since you mm -hmm. left a couple of years ago and have been running around doing this. <laughs> I know. I, one, one highlight, I, one thing I do miss about that first beach that we were house sitting at is like how far out the ocean would go when the tide was low and how far out you could walk over this like mirror, like sandy glass looking type thing. <laughs> uh, like, I, that was, that was one beautiful thing. Like walking the dogs first thing in the morning when the tide is out, it's just amazing. Yeah. I mean this house, we didn't really know exactly where the house was located. We knew it was in a town, like a beach town, but we didn't know if the house was on the beach and it was like 20 yards from the ocean front, basically our yard, our backyard was the beach. So, yeah. and it's like a beach in Costa Rica that's very undiscovered. So there was nobody on it and it was 12 kilometers long. So I don't yeah. know if that's like nine miles or something, yeah. but um, yeah. So yeah, it was beautiful. <laughs> that was beautiful. Um, Tikal uh, was a huge one Tikal for me. Tikal definitely was. We ended up in Guatemala and it's interesting because I had read about Tikal as a kid or somewhere in the back of my psyche, I had this, you know, this vision of these temples in my brain, but I'd never seen them or I don't even think I even realized where it was specifically. Um, and when we were, we actually were in Costa Rica and kind of planning our next moves of where to go. Um, we were looking at a map and I said, oh, we can fly into Flores, this town called Flores. And our buddy who had met at the hostel was sitting there going, oh yeah, go to Flores. It's really close to Tikal. And it was all of a sudden like, to Cal, wait a minute, to Cal, you know, it rung a bell. And 
when we got there and I went there, I just felt like I had like come home somehow. I mean, I all day I was like, I wish we could live here. Like, why won't they let people live here? I just, you know, I just really loved it and felt really at home there. So that was very powerful yeah. for me. And then the um, botanical garden is another one. Garden was a very big, big thing. Like that was awesome. I got to I got to see all sorts of different orchid uh, varieties and oh god, like just what every type Tropical of plant plants, variety. Yeah. Like, and right. the thing we really realized there that we kind of hadn't realized before was how much we missed gardening and missed being around plants and missed doing that kind of mm -hmm. work. Um, so because of this and that was a total chance volunteer position that popped up on our radar and we took it. But um, because of that job, now we know we do want to help. Like we helped them at that garden. We helped them create some soil. Um, we were building compost and using seaweed to make soil and all kinds of stuff, which mm -hmm. they hadn't been doing. And yeah. we realized like there's, actually a worldwide need for that knowledge and there's so many people that are doing gardening projects mm -hmm. and rebuilding land and reclaiming soil yeah. now that, that you need help for so well, that's that something that we the amount of sargassum that was down on the beaches yeah which, the which uh, location was that where you were doing that was in nevis, nevis in um st kitts and nevis is an island nation in the caribbean and how did you find out about that opportunity so we flew, it was my mom's 70th birthday in the Virgin Islands, and we were supposed to meet them for a two-week holiday. And this was where we left a lot of stuff in Guatemala, because we were going with them on a sailboat for one week. And I thought, we can't possibly drag all of our crap onto the sailboat. <laughs> I mean, we're not light travelers, let's put it that way. And yeah. we had like one carry-on suitcase that was just art supplies, which we have downsized since because yes. <laughs> it was a little ridiculous. But um, we left that in Guatemala and Chris's tattoo gear because we had to go through the States and we were concerned they might take it away and there's all this stuff. So we flew there on a one-way ticket thinking, well, just maybe we'll get on a sailboat or, or maybe we'll figure out you know, something else when we get there and we'll come back to Guatemala. But like three days after we arrived there, um, it came through house sitting notifications actually was this volunteer job at this botanical garden on Nevis, which is like a hop, skip and a jump from the Virgin Islands. And um, I never had seen any house sitting or any kind of opportunity in the Caribbean at all. I mean, it's just like, you know, serendipity. And um, yeah, so we realized, well, first it was a house sit. And then she messaged me and said, well, actually, we need volunteers at the garden. And this is the situation. And I, and I would love if somebody would commit for six months which in our minds was a long I mean we the first beach we were at in Costa Rica was four and a half months and we were we were quite done with it we were getting really I mean, squirrely <laughs> you know we had a buddy come visit us and he's like just stay here for the rest of your lives are you crazy like why would you leave this place you know and I'm like we came here to travel man we got to see stuff yeah. so, so that was like to commit for that was a lot but we basically said well let's you know we'll come and we'll check it out and we'll try it and see how it goes and um over time, you know, within uh, two or three weeks, she sort of said, okay, do you think you're going to stay? And I, I said, I took a deep breath and said, yes, I think we can do this. And um, yeah, she, well, I'm hoping the government there doesn't hear this, but she ended up paying us <laughs> <laughs> to keep us there. So that was great. Um, we made enough money to cover our expenses, our, our food and stuff like that. And of course, she had a house for us to live in and we got to paint a mural in her house. So that was awesome. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we really, the gardening was what kept us there. I mean, Nevis itself, we weren't too thrilled with. It's it's a nice island, but it wasn't a, a, like a quintessential Caribbean experience. There wasn't like beautiful beaches and turquoise waters. It was sort of humdrum in that way. Yeah. But um, but yeah, we we got to be in that garden, and man, we just loved it. Yeah, and also a place that you probably would not have visited. 
right? Yeah, yeah to, totally. to really soak in the daily life and yeah, we experience the culture of the Caribbean. I mean, yeah. you know, it differs from place to place for sure, but I'm sure there's a general sort of culture that that we got to experience, which is very cool. Uh, let's talk about slow travel because you guys are slow traveling. I would say you're staying in places multiple months and and doing these different um, house sitting gigs and all of the things that you're doing. Like you kind of alluded to it really quickly, Jill. You were just like, yeah, like we we came to see some stuff, man. We don't want to like be here for another you know rest of our mm-hmm. life or another year at this house or whatever. How do you balance? the speed at which you travel with the, the urge to move versus like the kind of not urge to stay, but ability to stay in one place longer. Is it gig dependent kind of dependent on what it is that you commit to? Or, I mean, I'd imagine you guys have these discussions where like, well, how long do we want to be there? You know, do we want to move around some more? How do you guys balance that stuff? It's kind of hard to say. Cause like when we like, like we spent four and a half months on the the first beach in Costa Rica, and that was too long in one place. But then we moved, to, we got to Guatemala, and we fell in love with Flores, and we rented a place ourselves. Like we actually rented the place, so we were there for like in that place for like four months, about I think, four, about yeah. four months. And we were we we weren't like I don't want to say we were depressed to leave, but we do miss that house. Like that was actually one of our favorite places that we actually lived. And it was like $200 a month. Yeah. For like a two bedroom house with two bathrooms and yeah. (laughs) It was fine. How far is that from Tikal? Uh, That's like, well, it's like in Flores is like, yeah, a half hour to 40 minute drive kind of from there. So yeah, we were right in that area and yeah, right on the lake. Like the house wasn't right on the lake, but we were very close. We had to ride a boat across to Flores from our house every day. It was like a little boat taxi, which was kind of cool. So we go back and forth, but yeah, I mean, it's sort of like if we, if we get to a place and we both like it and we feel like we want to stay for a little bit, then we stay for a little bit and we'll find a way to do that. And I mean, Flores was that was another lucky thing because we were there for probably four days um, looking for a place and asking everybody going in coffee shops saying, you know, we're trying to find a house. Do you know of anything that's available? And, and nobody did. And it was looking like we were going to leave. We, we wanted to go to Tikal. So we're like, well, let's just move to El Remate, which is like the next town down. It's closer to Tikal. And then, you know, we'll see what's there. And um, literally the day before we went to do that, I sat down in this coffee shop. Chris was off doing something else. And um, this this man we had met, who's uh, like a natural healing doctor down there, who's American Canadian, he was talking to this lady and we're just like chatting away. And then all of a sudden he said something like, oh, he's like, Haiti's leaving. She, She has a house. She's leaving. She needs somebody to live in it. And it was like, Oh, where is it? <laughs> like, take me to this house, you know? And like, literally, she took us there, and and we took it over from her like the next day. So yeah, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, you just have to be on the ground and figure it out and ask questions and mm-hmm. just that's go the thing. For it. It's easy to follow into this idea that oh, everything takes place on the internet, but it does right. not. It absolutely mm-hmm. does not. When you get and nobody there. knows anything about you on the internet. I mean, it's this face to face connection is what really solidifies people's opinions of you or, or makes them like you or not like you. You know, mm-hmm. anyone can be anyone they want online, but you have to meet people to really get a feel for who they are. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you guys utilized to the max what I would call the travel Swiss army knife, right? It's like house sitting, volunteering, <laughs> like whatever kind of yeah. can get you around and keep you going. And uh, I think that's a great thing. It seems to me that being open-minded really and flexible, like you said before, is just the key to 
keeping this lifestyle going when you have debt, when you might be in a cycle where the funds are getting low and things like that. Am, am I wrong? I mean, what what would be the key if you were giving advice to somebody, and I guess you are, to kind of make this happen for themselves? Yeah, I mean, just you just have to have some sort of deep-seated faith in yourself, I guess, really. And, yeah. you know, the other day I was on one of the Nomad forums on Facebook, and some guy was asking a bunch of questions about somewhere he was going and he needed to know about accommodation and how he was going to do this and that. And he wanted all these connections and people said, well, it's best if you get there and then find, you know, book, book yourself a hostel for a week and then get there and start asking questions basically is what we've done. And, um, some, you know, the guy wrote back and said, Oh, I'm way too, I'm way too anal and I'm way too organized. I have to have this organized before I leave. And it's like, well, you may never leave (laughs) because you know, life, life just some, I mean, you can certainly book something and, and really try to organize everything. But when you get there quite often, it's not what is portrayed on the internet. I mean, that's the other side of it. Like people can take some pretty nice pictures of their health if they try really hard you know yeah. you get there and the roof's <laughs> leaking and like who knows what's going on so yeah. so you know that's that's the other thing I also have friends in Mexico that were were trying to organize something ahead of time and that didn't work out and they had to get there before they realized like oh my god this is a crap hole and we got to find something else you know mm. so so yeah it's just having a faith in yourself and just just knowing like a deep-seated knowing that you will figure it out and it will work out you know and manifesting sounds like it's part of your, uh, tell me how you guys manifest things, whether people believe in it or not, doesn't matter. You guys, it's something that you do and I want to hear how you do it. If you have a process or do you just talk about it or put stuff out there? Pretty much, it's more yeah. just talking we about, talk it, about it. it out there. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Quite often I'll, you know, I'll have an idea of like, Oh, it would be cool if we could do this. And then it, it's like, Oh, wait a minute we want to do this on this and this date. And does it, you know what I mean? Like we'll, we'll stop ourselves and like physically say it out loud. And when we, when we sold our house, I should touch on this. We, we sat on our back deck the entire probably four months before we actually listed it. And I would say the people that need to buy this house need to appreciate the house for the garden. The, the house is 70 some years old and it's small. I mean, it's well built, but it's small and it's an old house, you know, it's not the greatest house, but the garden was spectacular. We, mm-hmm. we spent four summers like absolutely creating a rectangle of grass into like a, a beautiful garden oasis. Um, Chris was landscaping, so he had his own plants that he brought, but he also tons of landscaping clients were throwing stuff out or wanting him to dig something up or whatever. And I mean, we just threw it all in our yard and created this like beautiful yard. So I kept saying, someone's got to appreciate this yard for for, you know, be a gardener, really appreciate the garden. That's what's going to sell the house. And I said it over and over and over again. And we listed the house. And I mean, at that point, we weren't really even on the manifesting page. We didn't quite, um, like we knew about it, but we hadn't really embraced it. Um, But we sold the house in four hours to a couple sight unseen that were exactly the right age that we had kind of thought that they should be. And they bought it because of the garden. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they were, I mean, she wrote me a letter with her offer and it was I was the first sentence I just was like, oh my God, this is exactly the kind of people that we've been saying need to buy this house. And we sold it for much more than uh we were told that we could, like, well, fifteen thousand, twenty thousand dollars more than than our realtor wanted to list it for. And I kept saying, No, there's value in this garden. And he, you know, he'd get all caught up and be like, Well, the electrical is not great and this and that. And I'm like, I, I, the house doesn't matter. It's the garden that's going to sell. Yeah. And, and, and they offered us 5,000 more than we listed for it. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. It's a uh, spine tingling when the serendipity oh, yeah. comes through like that. 
Yeah. And then even coming here, you know, it's like I said, we had no plans, but we were like, you know what, we're going to get to Canada. We'll figure it out. You know, people are going to need someone to house it or, you know, whatever, that kind of thing, you know. And then, of course, we get on the ground and it's like house sitting job. And and they all lined up like the dates were just like perfect lineups, like next one, next one, next one. So and if it doesn't at some point, you just figure it out. Right. Yeah. Well, if it didn't, we'd be we would have left sooner. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Figure it out outside of showing up and having the conversations, all the stuff we talked about offline. What are some of your best online resources that you want to share? that you've used quite a bit to keep this lifestyle going the last couple of years? Well, for sure. Our retail side is Etsy at this point. Mm. Um, I have just recently finally gotten, uh, gotten my own personal website going jillianamat.com with a store link to it. So, uh, Etsy is expensive. They do take a lot of money for fees. So although a lot of people will say they're a lot better than most platforms, but I seem to have found one that's better. So eventually we'll transfer over to that. But that, that platform is called Equid, which is probably worth mentioning, E-C-W-I-D. And it's $15 a month is the plan that I have now. You can go up if you want to list more items, you can go up and from there. But um, basically, they, they have a shop on my Facebook page and the shop integrates to my website page. And their platform looks a lot like WordPress. So if anyone's familiar with that, you can create all your products on their platform and then it automatically uh, links to all the rest, which is really handy. Um, and then Skyscanner, always we look Skyscanner and Booking.com for... Um, booking flights and getting the best deals and that kind of thing. And what else? I mean, we use a lot of art apps, mm. um, procreate and, uh, amaziograph or what, what about the house sitting websites? You guys use the oh, volunteering yeah. websites and things like that. Right. Well, we just signed up for work away. So when we were at the botanical garden, we, we, everybody that was volunteering there aside from us had come there through work away. Um, so, they kept saying, you guys really should get on work away. And, you know, once I started looking into it, it was like, oh yeah, that's what we need to do. So we just started a profile since we've been here. We applied for one job in Morocco and haven't heard back, which is fine. But um, yeah, so work away definitely is going to be, I think, big in our future um, mm-hmm. for gardening and, and helping people do that kind of thing. Um, housecares.com is the website we use for house sitting. We did do trusted house sitters for a while, but we found that it was really hard to get into. Although we've talked to other couples who had no problems and they get all their jobs through trusted house sitters. So, you know, it just depends. But through house carers, we get messages all the time from people saying, you know, your profile looks great. Um, you know, we need you for this in the state. Are you available? So, and that would never happen through trusted house sitters. Yeah. So. Nice. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing all that. Any final words of wisdom you want to impart on uh, anybody who's considering the nomad life? <laughs> if you want Let's to, uh, if you want to, like, do, like, if you want to live in another country and you want to eat proper, go to the markets. Mm-hmm. You'll save way more money, and you'll find better produce. You'll you'll meet you'll meet locals, and you probably get they make friends with them. Like yeah. Yeah. And you can ask them questions. The nice thing, thing at the market is, you know, what is this? And you ask them and they explain it to you or they'll, they'll tell you how to cook some local dish or that yeah, kind of thing. Like we really, we really put a lot of effort into uh, eating our own food. I mean, we do eat out, of course, um, but we do cook a lot for ourselves. So that's another way to save money. I mean, in Guatemala, we would spend like $40 on a week of produce, you know, and uh, yeah, you can do it super cheap. Uh, out of left field question, Chris, how many tattoos do you have? <laughs> oh, God. Um, 
I want to say like 36-ish or something like now, that. Now all the viewers are going to want to see them. <laughs> so, well, you guys will have to send some pictures over so we can post them in yeah. the show notes. If you had to erase all of them off your body except one, which one would you keep? Hmm. Hmm. And why? And why? I might have to keep the one on the side of my head because uh, that, that was probably the most painful one. <laughs> Okay, like I, I, I went through hell to get that, so I definitely wouldn't want definitely to get wanted, didn't want to want to get it. So yeah. <laughs> just just for sheer pain and <laughs> yeah, like I like the side of the head was all right. It was when it got to the back of the head when it was really bad. So yeah, I think that would be the one I'd have to keep. Yeah. Do you guys have any idea how long you're gonna do this? Just live around the world, travel around. Is there any? inkling of stopping anytime soon is it just a completely open-ended totally open i mean at this point we have a flight booked to tangiers on wednesday and we have one week of accommodation booked with this friend um and yeah that's it really you're happy with this lifestyle yeah oh yeah yeah. for sure yeah we're both very um highly adaptable flexible we like to try new things we're Mm. open to anything i mean yeah we're it's just almost the crazier it can get the better we're just excited to like see and do it all Mm -hmm. i think i think the fact that staying in one place for too long drives us nuts too so i can't see that stopping <laughs> is that what you like best about it just the moving around and the constant change or what do you like best? i think that could be part of it like yeah i think just the trying new things like you know learning about new cultures trying new food seeing new fruit that grows mm, there or whatever yeah. just like understanding like like in costa rica we learned how cashews grow and they actually have a fruit that you can eat which we love which a lot of people don't but um yeah just trying new things and seeing new things and i mean there's just so much out there to see we almost ended up going back to central america after canada thankfully john came along and told us that we should go to morocco uh our plan was to go back down through to like drive well fly to southern u.s and then bus over land and travel over land through mexico and back down into central america because our original goal when we went south was to get to south america like we wanted to go to peru and ecuador and colombia and all these places so we thought oh we'll just travel over land and we'll get back down there but we we quickly realized that if we get back to guatemala or costa rica we're probably like we'll just get like eaten by the jungle and not ever want to leave again so it was like if we go to morocco we're really far away and we have no choice but to see new things so so we're gonna we might end up back in south america the long way we'll see (laughs) what is the most I guess I'll use the word in, important, maybe, maybe one of the most important or profound things that you've learned about yourself over the last couple of years, or may, maybe about each other too. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I imagine there have been some new insights. Many, uh, yeah. Lots, yeah. Many, yeah. I think one thing that we really, uh, really came to the forefront is particularly in Nevis was. We enjoy helping people. Um, You know, even while we've been back in Canada, like we had a friend who was sick and he couldn't walk his dogs and we have the time and the flexibility. They'll be like, oh, we'll walk your dogs for you. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, this, this volunteer job at this garden was not a walk in the park, but we were helping the owner. She really needed help and we felt good doing that. So, so I, and our murals uh, to this point, our murals have never been paid for. They've, it's been an exchange for food or accommodation or whatever. So, it's it's that realization of like how good it makes us feel to like 
to just give of ourselves and um, good things come back. So that was, that was a huge realization I've had. Yeah. I go with that too. Like, yeah. uh, well, we, after being in Canada for well, with this last house that we haven't had any animals around us, that would be the one thing we missed the most yes. was we definitely like house-sitting animals for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. We love having the animals. They're fun. <laughs> Another perk of house-sitting, I guess, right? It's hard to bring pets when you're traveling around, but you get to hang out with other people's pets a lot oftentimes. So cool. Do you guys want to share where people can find you all the good, all the good juicy stuff? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, well, artisticvoyages.com sort of gets you to both of us and that's a culmination of uh, our art and travel and, and yet to be named things, but uh, it feels like a really, really good direction for us. Um, my personal website is jillianamat.com, which links you to my Etsy shops. I actually have two Etsy shops. Uh, Chris is at Inkcap Art. Yes, Inkcap Art. Yeah, so I-N-K-C-A-P Art, and that's on Instagram and Facebook and uh, Etsy mm-hmm. as well. Nice. I feel lucky that I've gotten to know you guys over the last years and that we finally got to talk and have this, uh, to share this conversation because I've been wondering, you know, as I get the updates, Jill, you know, you write me the updates and I'm like, what are they doing now? And I got the one from the Caribbean and we just been staying in touch and I really appreciate that and appreciate you guys. We love your show so much. Yeah. We we haven't been listening to it as much lately as we normally have, but you, hey, we'll I mean, cut that out. We're going to cut that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm uh, kidding. Um, but we, we definitely, I mean, when I came up with this idea, I didn't even realize that there was a, a nomadic population out there doing that. I mean, yeah. I, I knew there was some people doing it because as a kid I would travel and I'd see people living in these countries and wondering yeah. like, how can that person live there? They're clearly not from here, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I, I we listened to zero to traveling before we started this no no it was after i was gonna say yeah so after i made this decision i started going on the internet and being like okay people who travel full-time like googling all these things and your podcast came up and we started listening to it and man I mean, that thing was the driving force for me to get through this because I would be painting houses and I'd play your podcast just like 10 episodes a day and just listen while I'm painting. It's like, okay, yes, we got this. We can do this. Everyone else is doing this, you know? Well, not everyone else, obviously, but um, so yes, we really appreciate your podcast. And I appreciate... you as a person um just the other night i said we should listen to a a podcast just to get ready for our interview because we hadn't heard one in a while and the things you were saying i mean i really feel like we resonate on the same same level and same page and you're very Mm -hmm. concerned about environmental issues and and you know how we treat the planet and you know that's another thing with with this lifestyle is we have such a small carbon footprint i mean yes we are traveling we're taking a plane but on a day-to-day basis we're not you know, we're not running our car for 10 minutes to warm it up. We're not heating a house. We're not um, buying all the stuff that we don't need. Yeah, we're we not driving two vehicles. We, you know? we use we use cloth bags when we go to the grocery store and things like yeah, that. Yeah, we shop so in we the markets. We, we try to not have plastic. So, so yeah, I appreciate your your stance on that and just, just how you interview is great. And Yeah. Well, You're thank all. you. I wasn't fishing <laughs> for compliments, but I appreciate them all. Uh, like we said earlier, right? It's like, uh, you don't need the external validation, but I'll take it. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate that. And it's just a great thing that, you know, you, you mentioned kind of painting and hearing other guest stories and, oh, they can do it. We can do it too. And now you guys mm-hmm. are that voice for mm-hmm. somebody else, which this is, is amazing. A, a really yeah. cool thing. So uh, thanks for coming on and giving us a dose of inspiration and all of this, all of these great resources and just taking the time to share your story. And man, I really hope that, 
we get to jam out in person at some yeah. point. Yeah. Well, know? we're headed your way. I mean, we got no plans. So, yeah. and actually, Chris has Norwegian blood. So, yeah. There you go. <laughs> no, Norway has been calling to me. So, nice. <laughs> Let us know. Yeah, keep us posted. We'll be staying in touch, of course. And uh, right, sure. thanks thanks a lot for your time, guys. Have a good Thank day. Thank you so much. Yeah, right. take, care. take care. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. There you go. Thank you once again to my friends Julian and Chris for taking the time to stop by the show and share their journey, share the wisdom that they've earned through this experience of selling everything, taking off, and living their lives on the road. There's always so much to learn from this experience. Uh, not just the travel, but the the change involved with uh, yourself. And it, it just affects everything. When you decide to commit to maybe doing some longer-term travel, whether it's a gap year or a career break or a summer trip or... Something else, when you start rearranging your life or you start rearranging your priorities because you realize that you value, say, travel or something else greater than you value other things, it really kind of flips things on its head and changes things. Obviously, if you change your priorities, you change everything that you're doing. It changes your actions. It changes your intentions. It changes your decisions. So... Never a bad thing to change things up as far as I'm concerned. Not easy to do all the time. Uh, this is why I love this topic of transitioning to travel or you know, what comes out of this show oftentimes is not necessarily the experiences that people are having on the ground. Certainly, that's a huge part of travel. But it's also what it took to pick up and change your life. And uh, I love to hear those lessons that people learn along the way. So I'm really happy to have this conversation with Jillian and Chris and to share it with you. And one of the things they talked about, I mentioned I was going to talk about this, is the idea of figuring everything out before you go versus trying to figure it out as you go always can be a debate. Particularly, let's say, we'll take for example, if you are somebody who wants to generate an income while you're traveling and you wanted to get the business stuff figured out before you take off to uh, live in a van or whatever you're going to do. There is something to that, of course. If you're saying, okay, I built this thing. Now I'm making two or $3,000 a month with this uh, business. Now I know I can go live in my van and support myself and I have a budget to work with and all that type of stuff uh, versus somebody that might be trying to start a business while they're on the road. So what do you do? Well, I think Jillian summed it up best when she just said, you'll never have everything figured out. You'll never have everything figured out. So that's not advice to not figure anything out before you go. This is going to be something that each individual has to decide for themselves. But at a certain point, you also have to recognize that Everything's not figure outable before you do something, before you take a big leap, right? You cannot figure out every last thing. New challenges are going to pop up. I mean, look at this whole COVID situation, right? We don't have control over a lot of things. So we have to figure out where we are comfortable with taking a leap to the next thing 
what it means. So what, how much do we actually have to have figured out? And, and is that amount like far beyond what we need just because we need to be super comfortable or can we dial that back and have enough figured out where we're, okay, we're not totally comfortable with what's happening, but we're comfortable enough that now we can take this leap to, uh, you know, quit your job or become an artist or start a business and travel, whatever the case is. It's important to pay attention to. I just wanted to point that out. You know, this is something important to pay attention to within ourselves because if we need too many pieces of the puzzle in place, we will never actually do the thing that we want to do, right? Because we're going to say it's, it's not the perfect time. We're not ready. It's, it's not going to happen now. It's such a high standard we need to meet. We're not going to be able to ever get there. We're always finding more excuses to not do it. But on the other hand, you do want to be prepared, right? There are certainly advantages to having things figured out before you go on a trip or before you take a leap to quit your job or whatever the case is. We just got to be aware of what things we want figured out and make sure that they're not too far across the line of, hey, I'm never going to get to that point, so I'm never going to do the things that I want to do. I'm never going to take the trip. I'm never going to quit my job because you can't possibly know everything. As we said, you can't have everything figured out. You can't predict what will happen on the other side. It's just not possible. So figure out where that line is for you for your next big leap, big decision, big transition, and understand that you're still going to have to have some faith. You can't have everything figured out. Do your due diligence to a point, but it's probably still going to be uncomfortable, and that's okay. You got to be uncomfortable to do new things because you're always leaving behind something that is known, that is uh, maybe comfortable, that is maybe a little more predictable than the new thing. But we have to be able to sit with that discomfort and still push forward anyway. So there you go. A little rant for you. (laughs) If you have any comments on that rant, questions, experience to share with the community, uh, I just want to drop me a line and say hi, share your story, hit me up. Jason at zerototravel.com is my email. I read them all, every single one. So know that uh, if you sent me an email, I read it and uh, it warmed my heart. They really make my day. Any emails I get from listeners make my day. And also reviews on the podcast are a nice thing to get. And I wanted to read a couple that I just got recently to give some shout outs here to people in the community who took the time to do that, which means a lot because it just pushes the show out to more people, helps more people travel. uh, And that is always appreciated. So anyway, thank you, Danielle. She uh, wrote a review of five stars, said a highlight of my day. She said, I listened to the podcast for years and it never fails to be informative and inspiring, but it's really been a breath of fresh air since COVID hit. Jason's genuine and positive hosting style will put a smile on your face and his guest experiences will make your travel bucket list get longer and longer. Thanks for an amazing podcast. Thank you, Danielle. And uh, yes, one of the side benefits is I get to make travel bucket lists longer. And uh, that's a fun part of this job, I must say. Also, Malexander003 said informative, a five-star review, which is super nice. Had some nice things to say about me as an interviewer and said, this was a nice podcast to listen to while stuck at home, having had to cancel my trip due to the pandemic. 
I feel like I'm able to travel mentally. It's also given me great tips for future travel. Perfect. So that is uh, one of the reasons why, hey, travel's kind of at a standstill now for a lot of people, but I keep this show going. This is a community-powered show, and I, I do keep this show going for this exact reason, because even though trips have had to be canceled due to this pandemic and travel plans have had to be put off, we can still travel mentally, and we can still get tips and get inspiration and extend bucket lists and plan for the future. We have to plan for the future. We have to have hope. We have to continue to have hope. And if you love travel and you're listening to this, I'm sure you do, don't give up your hopes. Don't give up your travel dreams. Keep them going. And uh, I'm honored that this show can be a part of um, helping you take the practical steps to figure those new upcoming either dreams or trips or whatever out. So thanks to everybody that has taken the time to ever write a review or an email. Please get in touch if you have not yet. I'd love to get to know people in this listening community. You can also sign up over at zerototravel.com if you have not done so yet because there you can get access to stuff not happening on the podcast, stuff that's happening within the online community. So if you like the podcast content, get on the email list. I also want to say before I leave you with a quote, a quick thank you to Home Exchange for supporting today's show. HomeExchange.com is the number one community in the world for exchanging your home. You can exchange your home easily, seamlessly, and without any money changing hands. You can do this right down the road from where you live with other community members or halfway across the world. It's really easy and simple to use. Step one is you register at homeexchange.com. It's free. You complete your listing, you choose your destination, you contact members, and you finalize your exchange. And the last part, enjoy your vacation. And you do not pay their annual fee until you make your first exchange. So you can get on the platform, you can browse through 400,000 homes in 187 countries, and you can get involved with the community. Set yourself up for travel all around the world, not paying for accommodations, giving and receiving in exchange. It's a beautiful thing. Homeexchange.com. Get 10% off on that annual fee just for being a listener of this show using the promo code 010. So if you're setting up your profile and you're making some notes in your travel logs, however you organize and plan your trips, don't forget to write that promo code down 010 because when you make your first exchange, you'll get 10% off just for being a listener of this community. And by the way, that annual fee right now is only $150. That's around the price of a decent hotel in a city for one night. Imagine that. One night in a decent hotel, same amount of money, can get you access to 400,000 homes around the world and get you involved with the community. It's an incredible thing. So check them out, homeexchange.com. Promo code 010 when you make your first exchange gets you 10% off that annual fee. I'll see you on there. Maybe we can exchange homes one day. (laughs) Thanks again to Home Exchange for supporting today's show. Now, let me leave you with a quote. And this one's from John Lewis, the iconic civil rights leader who passed away over the weekend. The time of this recording, he was a member of what they called the Big Six, which was a a group that organized the 1963 March on Washington, really an instrumental part of the changes that have taken place in America. As a matter of fact, 
I read in the USA Today, former President Barack Obama said that when he hugged Lewis, this is quote, when he hugged Lewis at his inauguration in 2009, he told him I was only there because of the sacrifices he made. And he went on to say Lewis uh, loved this country so much that he risked his life and his blood so that it might live up to its promise. So USA Today actually linked to a collection of Lewis's most powerful quotes. And I wanted to read the first one here because um, it really uh, inspired me this morning. He said, get in good trouble, necessary trouble. Thank you for listening to today's show. I always appreciate your time, and I will see you next time. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.